0: Hi everyone from Kardec Radio, this is Deborah Beldewicz. We are here seven o'clock on Monday. We are going to speak today, this is the talk number four of six. I have spoken um, previously about four different topics and today I have chosen to speak about the blind man that was healed by Jesus on his way to Jericho. The reason I chose this passage in regards to speaking about healing is because part of healing, if not most of our inner healing or physical healing or spiritual healing has to do with how much do we want to heal, how ready we are to be healed, and what exactly do we want to heal. So we have to understand that part of healing, we need to know exactly what it is that we're looking to heal? Um, why, why do you need to heal that? Why are you seeking to be healed? Uh, many of us, when we ask the question, what do you want in your life? It's a very deep question with a very complex answer. Most of us will answer immediately. I want to be happy. I want to be healthy. I want to have a merry and long life. But in reality, if I had a genie lamp here and a genie came out of the lamp and gave you 10 seconds to answer that question, what do you want in your life? What do you want exactly? And you have 10 seconds to tell the genie in details exactly what you want. My friends, are you ready to answer that question? Do you in 10 seconds, in 10 seconds, do you have time? to tell the genie exactly what you want. Well, most of us uh, are not really even aware of what we want healed. What is it that I want to heal in my heart, in my body, and my soul? But so, let's talk about healing. Let's talk about this passage. In reality, um, we have to seek the healing. We have to really look for it. We need to immerse ourselves in being, being healed. And we need to know why we are sick in the first place. Why are ailments? And we talked, we talked about this in the previous talks, especially on talk number one, uh, but also in the last talk number three. And I want to read to you a passage straight from the good book. And I want to read a, a, a passage and this we're going to read and we're going to mark chapter uh, we're going to mark, uh, let me see here, 10.35. So Mark 10.35, I believe that's what it is. 46, sorry, it's very small. So Mark 10.46, we're going to talk and we're going to read straight from the Bible. And we're going to read about the blind men. And this is really a book that we cannot... <laughs> Don't think because we're Spiritists that the Bible is not something that we use. On the opposite, we use the Bible and we interpret it in light of Spiritism. So it's a very important book to have in a Spiritist Center. I think most Spiritist Centers have it, we certainly have it, we study it. And so this is what I'm going to tell you. Mark is the one that talks about, that's the passage and who I chose to talk about. Now pay attention to the story, it's very short. But this is something that we can learn so much about healing. And this is how it goes. Uh, the blind man of Jericho. They reached Jericho. And as he left Jericho and his disciples, in a large crowd, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting at the side of the street, at the side of the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout and say, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me, have pity on me. And many of them scolded him and told him to keep quiet. But he only shouted all the louder. Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, Courage, they said, Put up, he is calling you. Get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and went to Jesus. Then Jesus spoke, What do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, the blind man said to him, Master, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go. Your faith has saved you. And immediately the sight returned and he followed him along the road. So this again is in Mark. Why did I choose this passage to talk about healing? There are some amazing, precious lessons that we can get from this. First of all, uh, it's important to know the context. When the blind man is walking, I mean, when, when the blind man is begging, and let's talk about the cloak that he wears. Now we all see this passage and we may not really study behind the details in this passage. This blind man, first of all, what was it to be a blind man back then at the time of Jesus? We know how discriminated a lot of people that have different disabilities are today in the year 2020 so many people that have any kind of disabilities they are really looked down at for a lot of people a lot of different societies will carry out different ways about their disabled a lot of laws are implied are, are implemented in more uh, aware society and we know a great society is truly the society that cares for the vulnerable societies that truly care for their elder, elderly the mentally ill the disabled children animals so if you see how your society, the people, the place where you live, how they treat those uh, populations, and if they treat them well, well, then you live in a civilized society. So that is not, society, civilized society has absolutely nothing to do about money, about costumes, about how beautiful, how wealthy. Civilized societies mean that you take care of your children, you take care of your animals, you take care of your elderly, and you take care of your ill. You're mentally ill, you're physically ill, the disabled. That's what it means to be civilized. So anyway, back in the day being blind was, not, was something that you looked down upon. A lot of people at that time did not look at people with the mercy, the um, charitable um, ways that we learn so much in Spiritism. And that's why Spiritism is really this doctrine that puts charity above all else. If we are not to open a book, but we are to be charitable, then it's worth it. As Paul of Tarsus said many times, even if I give my own body to be burnt, but have not love, have not charity, nothing matters. And nothing that I do will matter if I don't do it with love and charitably. So anyway, so this man wore this cloak and he was blind. So people that were blind back then or disabled, they were really outcasted from the society, the mainstream uh, people. And they couldn't get jobs, they couldn't do anything. So they were given these cloaks by the authorities. And these cloaks, I mean, what is a cloak? You know, that robe, that uh, garment that you would wear. The cloak that the blind man wears shows that he is legitimized as a disabled man and he can actually beg. He has a way of receiving money. Uh, the cloak legitimizes his disability uh, and it gives some kind, let's put it in quote unquote, some kind of rights. So he could actually beg. That was a way of saying, okay, this is your work. You beg, maybe you get some kind of, uh, some kind of help from the government, which if any, there was minimal but the cloak was really his surviving instrument. If he didn't have that cloak, he was truly an outcast and he was not legitimized, uh, made, uh, how would you say, he was not made proper to do his begging. So when he lived from begging, he lived from any kind of government assistance, any kind of help, that cloak that he wore was given to him as a letter as a means of saying, this is your way of living, this is your life, this is what you can do. It's kind of us getting documents to work. If you don't have, let's say, if you don't have your uh, a picture ID, you cannot get a job at certain place. Um, And without those papers, those working papers, you can't get a job. But for disabled people back there, they needed a cloak because that cloak was their survival, uh, their, their survival tools. So, the blind man in this story, you know, he's in Jericho. Jesus and his crowd is going through Jericho. This man is sitting on the side of the road, on the side of the road. He's wearing his cloak or his uh, garment given by the authorities, showing that with that cloak he's allowed to beg and he's allowed to make his living. So, it's everything to him. The cloak is everything, his guarantee of survival. That is why we have to really really study these little things in, in, the, in the Testament and the Old Testament the New Testament let, let's let me correct correct that so we can get the context of what this is going on or how this is going on so anyway so he hears that Jesus is coming and we know when we lose most of the time when we lose one of our senses we always work better with the other ones the other ones are heightened so most likely this man had a very keen, way of listening. And he probably heard a lot about Jesus, about Jesus is this the son of David and Jesus heals. And he had to have this knowledge, being a beggar, he heard a lot about Jesus, but he didn't just hear about Jesus. He already knew who Jesus was. He really embraced this man as the son of David or this Messiah, this man that really was the son of God, the son that could heal. So when he hears that Jesus is going to be in town, he starts yelling when Jesus is passing, and Jesus is passing with t- lots of people surrounding him. And then he starts to yell, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And he starts to fullheartedly, he's still sitting, right, with his cloak. And he's begging and yelling. And some of the people in the, uh, of surrounding Jesus start yelling back at him for him to be quiet. Stop causing a commotion. Stop yelling. And what does this man do? He yells even louder. So now he has to surpass all these people that are judging him, that are just basically telling him, Oh, stop, you're nobody, stop making a fuss. And he starts yelling louder, Jesus, have pity on me. So Jesus hears, and then Jesus sends for him, and he says, Bring him to me, you know, let him come to me. Now, there's a story, there's a lesson right there. Why didn't Jesus walk to him? And Jesus asked him to come where he was. Because a lot of times we want the healing to come to us. We want Jesus to come to our comfort zone. When he says knock and the door shall be open. Yet you must go through the door. If you just simply open a door that does not guarantee healing. You have to walk through that door. But how uncomfortable is it for us to walk through a door that is unknown? Unless you have faith. So Jesus says, You come to me. When we ask for help, we need to ask for help and seek. And when you seek help, when you seek healing, you need to do your part, you need to walk. And so this man, as he stands, because now Jesus called, told him to go there. Come to me. And when Jesus says, Come to me, he get the men the, the people around says men he's calling you go see him and be joyful be happy because hey this is the healer this is the son of david who's calling for you so he stands up and he throws his cloak away he throws his robe out he takes it out of him this is a this symbolizes someone now who's naked who absolutely has nothing because that cloak was his survival tool. That cloak is the only thing that he knew could bring him food the next day by giving him the right to beg. So when he tosses that, glo- that cloak, this is the you know sink or swim. This is that moment. Either I throw myself into Jesus and completely go for it, or if I have any doubts, I kind of hold on to my cloak. I go, but I hold on to it. And this man had made a decision that day that he knew that Jesus was there for him and Jesus was ready to heal him and he was going to get the healing. So he threw away his comfort zone. He threw away everything that he knew and he made a decision. Jesus will heal me. And when he threw his cloak, he goes to Jesus and Jesus heals him. And it says that Jesus... Asks him before anything, what do you want me to do? Now, let's think about that question of Jesus when he asks, what do you want me to do? And he said in a much more profound way, I want to see. You see, my friends, he didn't want to just have vision back. He wanted to see. He really wanted to understand why he was blind, all of the darkness. He now knew who Jesus was and he wanted to be there. He wanted to be part of following this man, this master that we have. So when he says, I want to see, I don't want just my vision restored. I really want to follow you. I want to be with you. I want to learn from you. I want to throw myself at you. I want to surrender to you. And that's exactly when Jesus heals him and gives him the sight. Immediately he sees. And when Jesus says, go, your faith has restored your vision, has made you see. Except that Jesus knew what he meant by seeing. And this man immediately starts to follow Jesus. You see, he could have turned away his figure and said, well, now that I have my vision, let me go back to my old ways. Now that I have what I came for, now that I have my health back, let me go back to the same things that brought this illness upon me. Yet, when he made that decision to throw his cloak out. There was no way back. That was his moment of surrender. And I think, my friends, that is the moment that we all should be looking for in our lives. Not the moment where you decide, I'm going to enter this faith or this religion, but the minute that you surrender to Jesus, the minute that you surrender to the knowledge. We study Alan Kardec not to be able to cite every question on the Spirit's book or to know all of the works and what order one came after the other. That's a beautiful thing to know. It's beautiful to know all of this. If you have a memory, a a photographic memory, you'll be able to recite every single thing that is in the Bible, everything that Kardec ever said. If you don't have a photographic memory, you need to understand. You may not remember the question and the answer, and which order one came before the other, whatever question. But you need to have the essence because that is what surrender is. There's no going back to surrender. And look, I am so passionate about surrender because I had made my choice. I surrendered to the Spiritist doctrine because I knew that's what was bringing me all the questions, all the, all the answers to my questions. So I had no second doubt. You know first you say is this really it i have no second thought i knew exactly that doctrine would bring me to the full knowledge of why we're here what am i here to do and that is the surrender and when i throw my cloak and my and i define my life as a before and after this is a choice that i make and there's no going back i can't have an extra set of cloak or i can't have You know, that robe, just carrying it with me just in case. When you're seeking healing, you have to surrender completely. And it's there's no such thing as a doubtful surrender, as a more or less surrender. And that is exactly what faith is. It's trust and surrender. You cannot be faithful if you trust, but you do not surrender. Because if you trust and you don't surrender, you're only halfway there. You trust that this cure will come to you, but you are not surrendering yourself to seeking, to looking for, to going, to doing your part. But if you don't trust and you surrender, you are. there is no faith because you have no trust. You're surrendering to Anything that people tell you, and you're going full fledged, but you don't really trust that that's going to happen. Remember the story that we told about the woman that had a hemorrhage for 23 years. I believe it was 23 years, and she knew same thing. She didn't care. She went to Jesus, and she says, "If I touched, if I just touch Jesus's cloak, his robe, I know that I'll be cured." And you know what? Jesus didn't know that he healed that moment because he felt virtue coming out of him and if you pay attention to that passage he it was after she got healed that he felt so he wasn't even aware that he had healed. she attracted the healing, and we know that if we study the genesis card deck let's go to genesis where it says about the miracles where it says about the healing there's there's that very explanation that you may you may be healed by your will to heal and the healer doesn't even have to know that he is healing because he doesn't he's not even aware you can heal yourself maybe just you know by wanting it you can pull the healing towards you But why do you want to be healed? Because in today's day, there's everything happening in the world right now, the coronavirus, everybody is is game for this horrible thing. And we say horrible right now because there's such a message in everything that's happening right now. I'm not free from getting this virus, I don't know. Nobody here is free from it. We're humans, we're in this globe, this, this earth, Nobody can say for certain that they're not going to get it or that they had it and it already went away. We don't know. We know what the doctors tell us. We know what the government tells us, but do we truly, really know? And you know, whatever happens, if you were to trust and if you were to have faith, there is a reason that you may not know. We may not know, but if we trust that God only does what's best for us, and that we surrender to his will, then we're going to be able to walk through this without panic, without doubt, without anxiety. And I'm saying this very loosely. Of course we're human beings, we're going to be anxious, we're going to, but what I'm saying is for us to exercise our faith. Because the cure of this blind man is a is to me the most beautiful example of trust and surrender. He trusted in the Lord. He trusted in Jesus. He trusted that he had the power to heal. And he trusted that if he all he had to do is go close to Jesus and ask for the healing and do whatever his part, and that he would be healed. And he surrendered because he got rid of his cloak. He got rid of his only thing that would guarantee his survival for the next day. And that's surrender. You see, when... You go to sleep at night and you put your alarm clock for seven o'clock in the morning, the next day that demonstrates hope. You hope that that alarm will go off at seven o'clock. There is no guarantee and you're not even surrendering to that. You're just hoping that's, you're hoping that the alarm will work, that the battery's good, that seven o'clock you will wake up, that you won't sleep through the noise of the alarm. So that demonstrates hope. When you have a child and if you throw that child up and the child looks down at you and smiles, that is trust. When a child looks at you and they just trust you, they know they're not going to fall. They don't hope that you will catch them. They trust that you will catch them. That is trust. Now, there's a story where there was this little village And it hasn't rained. It hadn't rained for many, 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 many months. And everything was dry. And so the people in the village decided to gather together to pray and to gather together to pray for rain. And everybody went because the drought was so severe and people said, we have to get together because we need rain in this area. And then people got together, but only one person brought an umbrella. That demonstrates faith when you pray for rain and you show up with an umbrella that is trust and surrender and so with this story of this blind man who throws off his cloak his protection his um, way of life and he stands up and despise people saying be quiet you're you're embarrassing everybody you're a nobody why are you yelling you are causing a commotion he doesn't care he yells for Jesus even louder and he gets up and he goes to Jesus and when Jesus asks him he doesn't say I want you to restore my vision he says I want to see and he knew what he meant even if he did not get his eyesight back he wanted to see He wanted to see with his heart, with his soul. He wanted to follow Christ, regardless if he received the physical cure or not, because he just wanted to see. How many of us are blinded? How many of us are blinded by our belief that being cured in any physical ailment is the end of our suffering? And if we understand that healing is the ability to see the big picture, to see without living in fear, without living in panic, without living with your disability, as if that disability defines who you are, that disability is there to help you. And I know people may hear, but I, Deborah, you don't have a disability. Maybe they can judge and think that I don't have my own, you know, my own things. And maybe I don't physically, maybe I don't, whatever. That's when people judge the other one's disability. Some people have disabilities that are not apparent, that nobody can see, but it's still a disability. Hate is, to me, the worst of disabilities. And if you think about it, it's just temporary. Once I choose to throw off my cloak and say, you know, I don't want this disability anymore, and I don't mean people, of course, my friends, in a physical sense. There's, If you listen to all my previous talks, you understand why I'm saying the way I'm saying now. The message today is this message of faith. You can have hope, you can have trust, but if you don't have the surrender, it's very, very hard to get the healing that we so much seek, and this healing is much more than just restoring you to physical health. And that's the message we have to understand because it's such a beautiful message. It'll bring so many people peace. It'll bring so many so many people the sense that everything is all well. And today we need this message. We need to truly look at ourselves and say, I want to see more than I want my vision restored. And if my vision is restored, great. Maybe it's exactly the time that it should be restored. Because if it was restored one day earlier, I might abandon my bigger need, which is to see. I hope, my friends, you can grasp what I'm trying to pass on to you. And we all have our moments. We all have our own disabilities. We all have our own um, healing that we need to do. But let's trust and let's surrender. Let's not stay in a comfort zone. Let's truly seek Jesus' teachings as a way, as a path to health. And I can guarantee that if anything, you will live a much more peaceful life. Regardless of how the healing will take place. In this case of the blind man in Jericho, the healing was immediate. In some cases, the healing takes a lot longer but it's working it's a process healing is a process it's not a moment healing is not a moment where you just wake up and you have no disease that's not part of the that's not what healing is healing is the ability to see why that disease had been there or is there that is really what healing is all about i hope that i could you know, give my message, and my message went across. But remember, this book, it's, it's uh, an amazing book to, to have knowledge. I know we have the study in our center, and we study uh, with our friend Her- Hercules. He does every Sunday live, but it's in Portuguese. I'm so sorry um, that we don't have the capability or someone that do it in English. But we study the Bible in light of Spiritism line by line and if it takes three weeks to read a line and understand so be it there's no rush i want to end this by offering my condolences for anybody who had any lost anybody recently be it to the coronavirus be it to whatever it is um, my deepest sentiments um, it is not easy to lose someone and i don't say lose because we never truly lose anybody but um, to be disconnected bodily from someone. Um, I really send my condolences. I um, feel for anybody and everybody who's going through any kind of ailments, any kind of um, physical ailment. I truly hope that we can all together learn the messages from all this. I'm going to do a video on my own uh, Facebook this week sometime about the message um perhaps of the coronavirus that is so alarming all of us but there's such a bigger picture about this and i'm going to put on my thoughts on my own facebook page if you want if you wish to go there or befriend me um i don't bite (laughs) if i have room i accept everybody as friends because i love having friends and i hope i can call you all my friend i apologize for anything that i have said that could be Uh, taken or misinterpreted it has never in anything i say truly i say it with the best of intentions with the intentions to bring peace and to bring some kind of reflection for all of us and to bring us some kind of joy and some kind of uh, zest to want to be alive to want to be healed so thank you so much and next week we'll be uh, doing our uh, last talk i believe it's our last talk but i hope you can be here on monday night Love you all, and I'm sending you all my love. I hope that we can be together again soon. Thank you.